Welcome, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Sunday Puncher Podcast. I'm Angelo. I'm your host, and I got here with me my pal, Lex. Lex, say hello to our dedicated listeners. Yo, what's good? Beautiful Sunday, man. I'm, I'm excited to talk about it. Man, first of all, I'm going to stop you right there. It. Oh, wait. It was beautiful. I thought you were talking about today, Labor Day. No, I was and talking about last it night. It is miserably hot here. We are having a heat wave. I, man, I felt bad because I, I went to the fight yesterday. I got there around like 2.45, 3 o'clock. And I just felt bad for all the workers out there in the black pants and in their red or whatever t-shirts that they were wearing that were just standing there in a hundred and something degree weather directing dumb people like me to where they needed to be. But last uh, night we had, uh, we had ourselves a, a little heavyweight throwdown. Andy Ruiz Jr. made his return against Luis Ortiz. Luis Ortiz coming off of a knockout victory over a stoppage victory over Charles Martin and Andy Ruiz coming off of a decision over Chris Ariola. We had a Fox PBC pay-per-view. The card was great, but before we get to um, all of that, we got to first talk about the main event. Let me ask you this. Were you impressed by the performance of Andy Ruiz? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I thought Ruiz was going to get stopped. Um, I kind of uh, underrated how much Ortiz's punch ret retention had, you know, how much he's lost it, but still, he's a very dangerous guy. He's accurate, heavy puncher. He's got a lot of good mix-ups to get you out of there. And I think Andy's approach to handling Ortiz was was smart, and it, it showed me like it showed it showed me something I didn't know he had. I didn't know he could be patient and like more of like a technically sound boxer, especially considering his size. So yeah, I was very impressed. Good win. So. I'll say that I wasn't that impressed. I was impressed of his power because I never thought that Andy Ruiz was that big of a puncher. And even in the Joshua fight where, you know, he, he clips Joshua and badly hurts him and, and continued to put Joshua down. I always felt that Andy Ruiz for a heavyweight was lacking in the power department and like, where his power comes from, mostly it's his speed and his ability to to catch guys with shots that they don't see coming. I mean, you know, this is all relative because, like, it's the heavyweight division and he's 260 pounds. Like, yeah, he does have power. But what I mean by that is he doesn't have, like, Deontay Wilder or even Luis Ortiz, like, disconnecting dudes from their senses type of power. But um, Ruiz being able to, like really actually throw with bad intentions and hurt Luis Ortiz at times in that fight um, was, was somewhat impressive, but wait, I, can I ask you a quick question? Yeah. The first knockdown that Andy got, mm -hmm. how crazy was it seeing it in person? Because when it, on my side, when I saw Ortiz fall the way he did, I screamed. I thought he was completely done. I mean, if you watch the, the fight, back you'll hear the crowd erupt and i'll say that you know having watched the, the the highlights back it did not do it justice the crowd overall was like that was a hot crowd last night absolutely the crowd went 
it was deafening at that point. But from my perspective, uh, I didn't see the punch land. Um, not necessarily I didn't see the punch. I was obviously looking. But the angle that I was sitting at, Ruiz's back was to me. And so when he hit, when he hits uh, Ortiz with that shot, I don't quite see it connect. All I see is this dude just fall to his knees. And the way he fell and proceeded to get up, it definitely looked like that that fight was about to be over at that point. And it was crazy because it it happened so fast. You know, in the heavyweight division, and I think you can see it with Ortiz with his offense. Who Ortiz is, you know, quick for a guy his size. He's not he's not the like you know he's not Joe Joyce level slow um, at all. He's he's a, he's he's got some quickness to him, but he's not Andy Ruiz quick. And that so it was crazy to see like the juxtaposition in the first round or two when Ortiz was trying to get his offense off and he was, you know, working methodically. And then how quick Ruiz just unloaded the right hand that put him down. Um, it was just it, it was crazy to watch. I mean, it was. It was it was also like I wasn't expecting Ruiz to jump at him that way. That was something that shocked me because I thought that. Andy would have a different approach to the way he fought Luis Ortiz. Like I didn't expect him to fight the fight that he did at, at all phases. I, I I just didn't see it. Yeah, I, I want to make sure we stay on the topic of power unless we're transitioning off. I also want to make sure we get a lot of your perspective for being in the arena. But one thing I would like to say is Andy showed a lot of balls last night. Like not to say I ever doubted him, but kind of like in the Usyk Joshua fight, Usyk showed me a lot more than I thought he had, and Andy showed me a lot more than he, than I thought he had, because the times he got punched by Ortiz, those were like great shots. Like mm-hmm. I thought, there, I, I, there were several times where I was like, Andy's about to get knocked down or out, and he kind of just took it and like adjusted properly and stayed in the moment, and that's not easy to do, period. And it's even harder against a dude like Ortiz who was like gooned out and definitely in there to take your head off <laughs> uh i think there's two perspectives there i tend to fall on the other one which is not what you're saying but to speak to to what you're saying um and i did see other takes like this on twitter but it all essentially boiled down to andy's ability to be composed i mean his chin is actually very good you know the shot that joshua put him down with most guys was in cold when he got caught. He was not. He was not like locked in when he got caught. I don't know if he wasn't locked in, but I just think that Joshua is two hundred and sixty pounds. He's shredded out. He's a big, strong guy. He's quick. Um, I think most guys in the heavyweight division, at a minimum, go down from that shot. So like, you really, and it's a heavyweight division. Like, you really can't put it on Andy. But the fact that he recovered so well, got back into the fight, and ultimately won it, and then seeing him in the ring with Ortiz last night, taking those shots. Ortiz is a big puncher, and he clearly had a size advantage on Andy. All well, not not necessarily. Well, there's one advantage. Yeah. But um, I think that there's a lot to be said about Andy's um chin and his ability to take punches. But at the same time, you know, you can praise the skills, but I also think that it looked to me like if Andy had pressed the issue. And was willing to walk through a little bit of fire. He probably stops Luis Ortiz early in that fight. 
or in the middle yeah. round. He had another shot when he had dropped him. Now, we were talking about this in the Discord a whole bunch. And I, I really like Andy's strategy. I don't think – I think Ortiz is too big of a puncher to really walk down unless you're like – you have some like tyson type of like head movement and like bobbing and weaving. Andy's not really that guy. I think if he tried to walk him down, Ortiz definitely gets that KO that I was thinking he would have got. See, I, I thought that that was going to be – a, a place where Ruiz would have success because one thing that one advantage that Andy has over most of the heavyweight division is I feel like a, like most of the heavyweight division fights at a really similar pace. There's a, like, you know, it's, it's a lot slower. It's a lot more methodical. And, and that's mainly because these guys are big and they move slower. And also defensively you got to be a little bit more on edge because like you're not really trying to catch a Luis Ortiz left hand you know that that if you're not prepared for for that hand landing there's a good chance that it changes the course of the fight but I thought Andy would be able to like press the pedal I mean you think about it Luis Ortiz is like fucking 84 years old okay this dude fought in the 1962 Olympics he has shown over the course of his career that he fights at a very slow pace and the legs just didn't quite look right in the Charles Martin fight. Didn't look right last night either. So I figured at least going into the fight that all Andy really needs to do is push this guy and make him fight fast. And two things will, well, I, one of two things are going to happen. Actually three, one, you're just going to overwhelm the guy and Andy would get a stoppage win. Two, Ortiz is going to gas at some point because he's not used to fighting that quick. And then it, the fight gets a lot easier later on. Or three, you get knocked out, which is the risk you run no matter what. And Andy didn't do any of those things. Andy actually fought at that slower pace. And in fact, in, in some cases, I think Andy slowed the pace down himself and really... He, and I don't think he did himself any favors as like the younger guy by not standing his ground and forcing that stoppage. Uh, it, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter though, because the crowd was totally behind Andy. I don't think like, you know, the long-term view of Andy Ruiz's career, this is going to affect it in any way negatively because people were happy to see the knockdowns. People were happy to see Andy win. But like at the end of the day, like that wound up being a much closer fight than it needed to be. Yeah, I mean, I like again, like I just don't believe that you could walk Ortiz down. I don't think Andy could. Cause here's the thing, right? There were a few moments in the fight where you got that type of action, where Andy was pressing a little bit, and he was trying to speed the fight up and speed the action up. But I don't think he was necessarily like getting the best of those exchanges. I think they were like fifty-fifty, and so at that point, it, it's a shootout. It comes down to, like, durability, luck, timing. Like, do you want to leave this fight in the hands of a 50-50 scenario, or do you just patiently win, which is what he ended up doing? And now, like, to your point, he, he like, yo, Andy Ruiz went from being dropped by top rank because they thought he was trash he or whatever. He bought himself out of his contract. Bought himself out of the contract, but they weren't putting him in any fights, so, I mean, they clearly didn't value him. I mean, like, this guy was in the lost and found. 
And now he's like on the top shelf. Like if Wilder handles his business, Andy will be in a paper, potentially be in a pay-per-view that's doing like 600 to 800,000 buys, maybe, maybe less. Either way, he's coming up huge. So like with or without the knockout, like he's a star. He's one of the biggest stars in the heavyweight division. That's, that's huge. Well, I think the projection there for the number is optimistic, but like, I wouldn't be shocked if it did hit that number. Um, you, well, speaking of, you know, Ruiz, I actually had a moment where, so I'm sitting in the arena, I'm looking around, it is full in a way that yeah, I- Yeah, wait, 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 real quick, real quick. What was the attendance? Did they announce it while you were in the arena? They didn't, but I know what Staples Center is. I know generally like what the numbers will be based off of how they configure it and how they configured it last night. The attendance will probably be somewhere between 13 and 14,000. So, I mean, like not exactly a sellout, but like a, a terrific Audi. Well, it wasn't configured the, the way it was configured. It's, it was almost a sellout. They, they basically didn't sell the upper deck and the upper deck will take a boxing attendance at Staples center from like 14,000 to 18,000 or so. So they didn't open up the upper deck, which you rarely see uh, at the Staples Center. And, um, but from, but, you know, just sitting there, like, I was thinking back to, I followed Andy's entire career. And I remember watching this guy fight on Unimas. And I remember him struggling at times, looking like he doesn't really have the power. He was the lone one, the really the lone Mexican heavyweight prospect really in all of the country, but certainly was like the lone dude who top rank was maybe taking a flyer out on the heavyweight division. And like, he was just floundering. And when we thought he'd get a, a you know, HBO was never willing to get into the Andy Ruiz business. And when he finally got that fight against Joseph Parker, it fucking aired on like Unimas at like 3 a.m. And so just thinking back to that, and then sitting in the Staples Center where it's full and the crowd was like, it was clear that everyone was there for Andy Ruiz. To think of the, the trajectory of this guy's career from, from like, you know, floundering as a guy who looks like he's not going to make it to then getting himself into a position to fight for the title, losing that fight in a, in a close fight getting another chance fighting joshua winning the most unexpected fight of the year and one of the what is going to go down as an all-time great upset losing the rematch in like embarrassing fashion more so because he lost you know he he defeated himself before he even gave himself a, a you know by not giving himself a fighting chance with like the weight and like the lack of focus and all that stuff and then coming back rebuilding himself up taking on this fight with Ortiz and everyone shows out for him. I mean, it just really shows like, I mean, as cliched as it is, like, you know, anything can happen in the sport. And it was really nice to see like what appears to be like a redemption story for Ruiz. And like, look, the, he's got the whole world available to him right now. Tyson Fury may not be able to fight Usyk. And if he wants to stay busy, he's going to need to fight somebody. 
And I know that Joshua's name is getting tossed out, but like the, the, you know, the messaging around that seems to indicate to me that maybe that's not that viable. Um, he's already fought Deontay three times. I'm not necessarily sure that we need fourth. And then there's Andy, who's also out there as a guy. It's like, you know, that could be a guy who gets another shot at the heavyweight title. I don't think so. But, or like you mentioned, if it ain't going to be a, another title shot, may as well be Deontay Wilder in what would be one of the wildest clashes of styles that we've seen in a really long time in the heavyweight division. So, um, I don't know. I Did you enjoy the fight? Because like there were times in that fight that were some of the best sequences you know, you can expect to see in a boxing ring. And then there was a lot of dull, like, defensive moments. And I feel like Ruiz's defense was more so prevent defense than it was, like, you know, disguising your coverage and then dropping two and then, you know, intercepting the ball. That is not what we saw from Andy Ruiz. Yeah, I mean, I expected more of, like, a violent fight. But it, I was entertained just knowing that, like, it, it was a high-stakes fight and there were cool momentum swings. Were they, like, like action-packed momentum swings no but like it, it went from like i'm not sure what this is going to look like to yo andy's going to knock this dude out instantly then like ortiz got like you know he's boxing around it wasn't like super hype or anything but it was like all right like ortiz might like make it through this fight and then andy knocked him down a couple more times and then in the last two rounds they, they turned it up a little bit so it, it provided me enough like to digest and like really uh enjoy it and have a nice night you know what i mean yeah, I I definitely, I mean, I wasn't, I feel like the highs of the fight were too high that it made the lows of the fight seem way lower than they probably were. Because I, I really do think that um, there were, there were times in the fight that, I mean, they, they weren't terrible, but they just weren't that interesting. And also, I don't think that anybody was expecting Andy to fight the way he did at times, which was like the defensive, circling, uh, staying out of range. But, I mean, um, ultimately, it was a good main event, and I think people in the arena, at least, I didn't watch it on TV, uh, people in the arena were very happy with the result. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, here's the big question. Andy Ruiz versus Deontay Wilder, assuming that Deontay can take care of business with Robert Hellenius, which I don't think is a foregone conclusion, by the way, but more on that later. Uh, assuming Deontay beats Hellenius and these two guys get in the ring with each other, how you see that playing out? I need to see new Wilder first. Like, everyone has been excited that... Answer. Huh? The conservative answer. I mean, it's it's like, okay, everyone knows I'm the number one Wilder fan, right? So No, no you're not. I am. Though. No, you're not. When every, listen, I'm out here riding for Glovegate. I discovered Glovegate. You did? I, I've had hardcore Gate. arguments before anyone was even on that. I, like, I birthed him, man. If, art man. If I didn't find Glovegate, oh. there would be no art man, okay? So, like, give me my props, please. Okay, but art man is number one. Art man is just the loudest. I'm the realest. <laughs> so so here's my thing right they say wilder needed a new trainer to teach him like fundamentals and stuff like that which it looks like malik is doing 
But like Wilder's only loss is to Fury, who cheated. So to like, it, it's like I'm a if it's not broke, don't try to fix it, guy. I don't know if Wilder really needed fixing. So like the Hellenius fight, it has me on that. I'm nervous because Wilder may go in there and try to do some like Floyd Mayweather shit and get knocked out in the process because he's not totally comfortable yet. I don't care how many rounds he's done. It takes a lot of time to add those wrinkles and like confidently be able to apply them. So like assuming he gets through Hellenius, I still don't know what I'm going to be looking at. So maybe Andy can clip him. I'm still going to assume Wilder will knock him out cold, but it may be more interesting than free fury Wilder. That makes sense. Uh, All right. Well, I mean, you didn't need to put the microphone directly up to your mouth to like let us know how big of a Deontay Wilder fan you are. <laughs> Did I move the mic that much? <laughs> yeah, it was, it was it was a little excessive. My bad, brother. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, if the Deontay we saw in the third Fury fight is the Deontay that like we're just stuck with at this point, um, I think he knocks out Andy Ruiz. I think Andy's was fought a very, very safe way against Luis Ortiz, who not having the legs, not having the balance, and not having really the explosion that Deontay does. Um, I don't think, I, I mean, anything can happen. And I would not be shocked if Andy could catch Deontay, you know, similarly to the way he caught Joshua and just like totally flipped the fight on its head. But I think from what I saw right now, like Deontay, you know, definitely would be a favorite going into that fight. And I would imagine Deontay knocks um, Andy Ruiz out. Off the dimensions alone, Wilder should be a huge favorite. I mean, he's six foot seven. Like with all the shit he's doing with Malik, Wilder could just jab Andy the whole fight and he should win a decision. I mean, I, that's not like they figured out how to like just jab effectively with his power. Uh, he literally could possibly never lose another fight. But I mean, that's not easy to do, especially at the age that Deontay Wilder's at. Right. We're asking him basically to like go from being a guy whose entire offense is set up to land one punch to now being a dynamic guy who can like fight on the outside and stuff like that, that that's almost, I think never happened in this sport, but I'd be down to see it happen for the first time. Um, yeah, I think, I think that's it. I, I, I mean, I think that's it for, for the main event. Let's talk about, um, Isaac Cruz versus, uh, Eduardo Ramirez. Let me tell you guys, like being there, I don't know if this came off on the TV, but Isaac Cruz is developing into a real star. And I never saw that coming. I I find Cruz to be like, I don't know, he all he does is smiles and you know, he you know, he's super endearing with that smile and it looks super genuine. But I didn't think that there was there wasn't a lot to connect to for, for boxing fans. But my God, the the I, I think the biggest reaction outside of anything related to Andy was all for Isaac Cruz. The crowd like was super crazy for for him walking out, for for him getting in the ring, 
and then for the knockdowns and ultimately for the win. Um, and then, of course, like the whole stuff with Tank. The crowd just loves Isaac Cruz. And I, and I think that's really a big indication of this guy developing or beginning to develop a really big fan base. And I just did not see that coming. That moral victory he got over Tank has like got more legs on it than we've seen in a long time for somebody who's who's somehow won off of a loss. Uh, but the one thing I'm wondering about is why did they make this fight? Eduardo Ramirez was doing well where he was at <clears throat> in the you know in a lower weight class, not fighting at 135. This dude was like fighting at 126. He jumps up to 130 and then jumps up again to 135 and like decides, oh, the guy who I should fight at 135 is literally a buzzsaw. And like, I don't know, Ramirez stopped knocking guys out when he moved to 130. Why did he think that 135 was somehow going to solve the, the problem of like, oh, where did my power go? I don't know how the whole thing played out, especially like because um, Ramirez is with Samson, right? Yes. You don't often see Samson put his guys in like like these types of situations. So I don't know if, you know, maybe Ramirez needed money or something like that, but it's definitely a little unusual. But I mean, hey, like we got a good result out of it, I think, like overall. So I'll take it. I don't know. Ramirez did not look at all prepared. Like in the first round, he just did not look at all prepared for the pressure that Cruz is going to bring. I feel like he thought that he was going to, he thought he was going to have to fight off the back foot and he'd just counter him with something big. But I don't think he realized how fast Cruz is, both with his foot speed and like his punches. Because every time Cruz lunged in with that left hook, I feel like. Uh, Ramirez did not see it coming. I mean, he didn't get too many left hooks out of there. The fight but, ended ASAP. Yeah, yeah he does. the first one missed, the second one uh, hit him and put him <laughs> down, and the third one ended the fight. Basically. It's bad funny. But, I mean... I, I want to, like, I really want to get back to something you said, though, about how Cruz has gotten over. Because I have two, like, thoughts about it, right? And, like, the first thought is, I wanted to ask you, is it because of Cruz? Or can we give Tank a little bit of credit here for creating stars? Because if you look at like, if you look at the aftermath of Tank fighters so, like recently, Barrios gets a Thurman fight. Roly is like everywhere they go, everywhere he goes, they're doing Roly chants, and he's like shadow boxing in the middle of the chants, which is crazy. Yeah, yeah. And Cruz is like this hyper, like he's it. First of all, it definitely came across on TV that he's. He's ready for main events. And, like, if he continues to win, there's, like, a big, big, big future for him. Um, I mean, it's a combination of both. I do think having the moral victory over Tank introduced Isaac Cruz to the audience at large and a very large audience at that. I think him being positioned as the guy who just came up slightly crazy uh, short against tank him being in that position 
um, for a lot of people, I think um, he he gets to be the other side. Like, you know, if Tank is, is the heel, he gets to instantly become the babyface because he's the one who was wronged. And so it, it establishes a clear dynamic of how people will think about Isaac Cruz. He's not this middle ground guy, like say Devin Haney, where you're just not really sure how to feel about Devin. You know, some people are telling you to feel one way. Some people are telling you to feel another way. Cruz doesn't have that. Like Cruz is, and we haven't seen something like this so clearly since Manny Pacquiao. We're like, basically it's like, yeah, no, we love Manny Pacquiao. You know, he's entertaining. He's, he's a happy guy. He smiles and um, yeah. And he's also vicious and stuff like that. So I th- I think there's definitely a combination there for the two of them, but Cruz is, I, I I think literally on the cusp of legitimate stardom and boxing, the way people responded was just, uh, it, I mean, it was unique. I, I, I have not seen that before. And I, I think Tank certainly gets some credit here. I also want to say that Tank playing up the thing, when they show Tank on the, on the Videotron after, that was superstar level, like, um, pantomiming for, for the camera. <laughs> that had to be such a cool moment to see in arena. It, I mean, it was crazy because it was also like really delayed. Like they, I, I felt like they had already talked about tank and then like the camera crew had to race over to find him and then like put the camera on him. But, um, tank by doing what he did, I think validated everything Cruz said and also the how everyone felt about him. And I mean, obviously, we know that Tank beat Cruz already with one hand, essentially. Um, but Tank giving off the appearance of him not wanting to fight Cruz, it one hundred percent. You know, if you're if you're partial to Isaac Cruz, it it, it makes it makes you feel good about who Isaac Cruz is and you, you think to yourself, Oh, well, tank doesn't want to fight him. I mean, mostly because, uh, tank probably has a much, much bigger fish to fry in, you know, this coming December, but you know, which all those people who are probably fans of Isaac Cruz would be like, all right, you know, that's an acceptable fight. But, um, I mean, it it may work out for Cruz in the long run, because if, if the fight, that hap- that we think that we all want to see happen happens in December and Cruz hangs tight for afterwards. If tank wins, we're looking at a, another huge pay-per-view. That's like six, 700,000 in my opinion. So the one thing about Cruz that I'll say, and this isn't always the case for guys who have these like, kind of like, star making performances and and coming out parties and things like that, which in a sense yesterday was, but not necessarily in a way that it usually is. What I will say is that I don't think any boxing fan can sit here right now and say to themselves, I would not like to see Cruz fight fill in the blank. You go down the list, <laughs> Tank, Haney, Lomachenko, Michelle Rivera, Roley. Every single one of those fights 
is just like, yeah, I would love to see that fight happen because it's hard to not to love to watch Isaac Cruz fight because he shows up and he's like, he's here for one thing. He's like, look, I'm going to walk at you and throw punches until you either uh, go down or the the ref stops us. Not only is he throwing punches, he's basically button dashing. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I love the Roly fight, by the way. I I think Cruz um, will make ugly work of Roly late in the fight. But Roly's dangerous. Like, you just never know. Like, Roly is a big, strong, unorthodox uh, fighter who will be a lot bigger than than uh, Isaac Cruz in the in the ring. I I'm, I, I wouldn't count Roly out, but I mean, I kind of would, but I it wouldn't shock me is what I'm saying. But I mean, I love to see it. I really would. No, I, I think the that's the fight. Like outside of like the obvious ones, like Tank Ryan or, or Tank Devin or whatever. I think like that's the fight to make like the next best thing. Cause like the you, you I don't you probably don't watch all the YouTube stuff like that. I usually watch all that immediately after the fight. Roby's walking around with his shirt unbuttoned, oh, no, literally shadow boxing in a circle of fifty people chanting his name, like he's figured it out, like he's got that thing. No, no, I, Roly, I, I can tell you, Roly walked past me. You know, I was sitting there. There's a, a, a large group of fans just like following him around trying to get pictures with him and stuff like that. There's something that I saw that I'll save for after the podcast to tell you about. But um, Roly has an aura about him. It's not the same aura that Tank has where Tank just like, you know, he's got that like different level star quality to him. But Roly has a different kind and it's also very, very useful. You know, if you're, you're trying to make money in this sport. Uh, but Roly is still super like, you remember Roly used to always be fat between fights? Like he mm-hmm. got out of shape for that tank fight and never got out of shape. And I think he really enjoys the no shirt life. <laughs> I think he enjoys like the get money life. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I just was thinking about Roly in the fucking fur coat at the press conference when it was 90 degrees outside. Yeah, that was insane. <laughs> Speaking of insane, real quick, shout to Sebastian Fundor who came to the fight in a fucking like three piece suit while it was like 110 outside. It, it, dude, one, it, like I mentioned earlier, it was very hot. I felt like a fool wearing pants, uh, for one. But two, I, I saw Fundora and he, w- he was certainly wearing a three piece suit, but like, I mean, it's like, bro, this is not in fashion anymore. <laughs> Like we don't do, we don't wear suits in this style. Like at least get this slim fit. Yo, the funniest part so about then, his suit is like they showed him on camera on Fox. At, I forget like what juncture of the pay per view it was on, but yo, the dude had his top buttons unbuttoned and he had like a white tee under it. I'm just like, yo, this guy is like, <laughs> I don't know like where the fuck they found some Pandora for real, but like he's out of control. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I mean, I used to do that, you know, back before. Yeah, I was doing that in like middle and high school. Yeah, before I do anything about style. Exactly. Not to say I know anything right now. I know a thing or two, but that's which which probably doesn't even qualify as passing. But I certainly do know at this point. One of the few things I know is like, yeah, you you may want to, you know, drop the 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 white tee, the little crew crew neck t shirt, um, when you're wearing a button up shirt. 
Yo, Fundora is out of control. But he, whatever. He is so big, man. He's <laughs> incredibly large. Uh, as is Deontay, which we all know, but like it is crazy to see Deontay move in the crowd as like a bunch of people like are hovering around him. And this dude is still a head taller than everybody. Oh, uh, yo, this is something I wanted to share with somebody. I haven't been sure about Deontay's energy. Like listening to the his press conference or like interviews with like Ellie Setback or Fight Hype, I've been unsure of like where his head is really at. But seeing him get all the love from the fans, I was like, okay, Deontay's back for sure. Because, like, I could tell it, like, lifted him up so much. And then being in the ring and doing the interview, dropping a couple bomb squads, like, he looked really charged up. It was very – it was cool to see, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Um, I don't know. I, I want Deontay to smile less. You want, like, old school, like, till this day, Deontay? No, I want before till this day. I want Stavern uh or, or Dominic Brazil zipped up in a body bag after I'm done with him, <laughs> Deontay. I don't know if we'll ever get that guy back again. Hope so though. I, I feel like it's hard to be that guy when you've made as much money as him. Like and I don't think that's just like a Deontay Wilder thing. I think for any of us, it's gonna be hard to stay committed to the gimmick of like I li- I, I have no issue ending life. <laughs> feel like uh, just something that you don't do once you're hitting those uh, eight figures. Yeah, it's tough. But we'll, we'll see, man. October's around the corner. See what this guy has. Um, let's see. Um, okay. So where do you go next with Cruz? Oh, man. So, like, like I'll, I'll say this. If I was... Sean Gibbons, I'd wait and see if Ryan Tank happens. If Ryan versus Tank happens, I want Cruz in the ring with another soft touch. Not soft touch, but someone he could just obliterate. Because I want to set up Cruz versus Tank too. If Tank versus Ryan doesn't happen, I think I want the Roly fight. And I want it I don't know if Staples is too aggressive. It might be. But if you think that that fight could happen in Staples without the upper bowl, let's go there. And let's, let's get the, the undercard popping the way this pay-per-view's undercard was popping. I think that it can, to be honest. I definitely think that it can be at the Staples Center with a strong undercard. Um, so <clears throat> I think you actually probably have figured out how it's gonna go i think what will likely happen is one of two things one they're going to schedule him for the undercard of tank ryan if that fight happens as like the if somebody you know gets injured or whatever we got ourselves we're gonna save the event and cruz becomes a fill-in like he was for the roly fight that didn't happen the first time uh Otherwise, this dude has a main event, and I think you go with Roly for sure. Roly's the best possible um, opponent for him at this point, but I think that there are still a lot of guys that you can put him out there with that will still do well in maybe some smaller venues. I was looking at BoxRec, and I actually like the Jezreel Corrales matchup for Cruz. 
Um, they they thought they were going to give that to Rio, but we'll talk about that in a second. But Ricardo Nunez, who who uh, is is a tough, decent fighter who fought Tank. I think you want to put him in there with somebody who's fought Tank before. That's one of the guys. You can go undefeated guy and bring over Gustavo Lemos from Argentina, who just recently beat the shit out of Lee Selby. That may not be a horrible idea. So, um, I don't know. I, I definitely think that one of those two things is going to happen, though. He's you know what would be an amazing fight for Pitbull Cruz? I don't think it could happen. But Jorge Linares would be just right. Bro, you seek help. What? You need to seek help. You're you're clearly, uh, you're just you're out of control. <laughs> what is so out of control about that pick? Just because we were talking about Deontay potentially killing somebody does not mean that you actually <laughs> need to schedule a fight where that's actually going to happen. But how is that not the perfect guy? Like we're talking, this is a name that's been in the industry for a very long time successful boxer but like he's never really been worked out in america and he just like the last time we saw him fight he chinned devin haney so why not to me that's the one i mean i think it's like impossible because i don't think lenars will ever be on pvc but i could i don't know i'm I'm rooting for that it's one i think cruz is past this point of his matchmaking where you got to bring in the the old name so Maybe for someone like Frank Martin, that makes sense, but not for Cruz. I think Cruz is like, he's, he's ready to play with the big boys. He's ready uh, for the step up. Or like, you know, he's ready for the fights that actually are going to move the needle. I don't think Linares moves the needle. But two, like Cruz is 100% the exact worst style for Linares. And over the course of Linares' career, if you look at the guys who've really given him trouble, um, most of them have had a style reminiscent of Isaac Cruz. So, like, I don't like that matchup for Linares. That's just not safe at this point for a poor guy. Fair enough. But I also wouldn't mind to see it. But I do think you need to seek help because that's, like, not, <laughs> not good. It's definitely violent. Um, oh, What was I going to say? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, let's talk about... Uh, there's not much to talk about. You know, for the Abner Morris fight, all I'll say is this. The fight went actually exactly the way I wanted it to go, which is I didn't want to see Mares go out there and just get smoked. I didn't want him to look super old. What I really wanted to see is like, let's have Mares get one of those performances where like we see the glimpses like, oh yeah, Mares was once a really good fighter and he has a little bit of success, you know, just so there's the hope so he doesn't leave feeling completely like deflated. But at the same time, this dude should definitely... Uh, be reminded why he should not be a professional fighter at this juncture of his career. And I think we got that. I think Mars looked good for a couple of rounds and we thought we had the old guy back, but it was really clear that it was smoke and mirrors. And once the third or fourth round came around, uh, he really didn't have a ton. Flores didn't have much either, but Mars, I think for sure shows like, look, if you're not beating Moises or uh, not Moises Flores, uh, Miguel Flores, like, yeah, it's not happening. For what it's worth, Abner is already on Instagram talking about can't wait till the next fight. I don't know where you go with your matchmaking if 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 you're not getting the W 
against Miguel Flores. Like if if Abner wants to like keep hanging around this level, like okay, fine, but like this dude can't like increase the level of his matchmaking. That this is not a recipe for success. Uh, and he also should probably do road work this time. Maybe that would have helped him like actually win the fight, but like not <laughs> at all when you're trying to fight in the lightweight division. It's, it's kind of why he, you know, circled the ropes for the last seven rounds of that fight. Who is the 135-pound version of Alfredo Angulo? That's what Abner needs. <laughs> he is Abner Mars. <laughs> Uh, I actually I don't know, but maybe not Abner Mars, but in, in all likelihood it is. We got to find that guy for Abner so we can get some action. Yo, at 135, I actually think that we got some names like, like some aged names that may not be bad idea to like match these dudes up. Like you're talking about Jorge Linares, like okay then, well, how about he fights Mars? There you go. Ricky Burns is still active. Like throw him in the mix. We got like. We could throw together a tournament of aged lightweights that, like, you guys got no hope other than to just fight each other. Just, you know, don't really interrupt. Like, look at these names that are so active at 135. You got Abner Morris. You have Ricky Burns. Miguel Vasquez. Billy Dibb. So I'm saying, man, people hate on the geriatric fights, but they're not that bad. At a minimum, it would be uh, amusing. A million. They are. I mean, again, it's entertainment. As long as you're entertained. Francisco Vargas versus Mares. I mean, like, there you go, guys. These are all like win fights. There's there's no way that Jason Velez. He's still active, guys. Mares versus Velez. Velez has lost four of his last five. How do you not make that fight is what I want to know. I mean, Abner Loki may have had one of the most exciting moments of the night. Like, not the most exciting, but, like, top five. When he bombed on the floors, like, <laughs> seven times with the same exact punch consecutively. That Yeah, that was pretty cool. How, how was the crowd for him, by the way? crowd loved Abner. Abner's always gotten great responses because he's local. But um, he's always got a great response from the LA crowd. Was the crowd engaged throughout the fight, or did they it like taper off after the fourth? It did taper off after the fourth, but they were still hot for anything Mars would would land. Nice. You know, I I, I think that PBC for a long time they never really like they never really got. The, like the true cosign from like the Hispanic audience mm-hmm. or Latino audience or whatever. I don't know how to say it properly. But I think like over the last year, maybe, like they're starting to get some traction. And I think with Andy winning and Pitbull Cruz now being like a mini star, I think it's going to keep trending like upwards. You know, and I-, I think we'll see more fights in Staples and like more like. La Raza supported PBC cards, which to, in my opinion has been pretty like not frequent, infrequent. You know what I'm wondering, which is kind of related to what you said. I wonder if Fundura is ever going to get the full support of the Mexican audience. I mean, I think if 
It doesn't you, seem like he the key is like from what I'm seeing, right? Because like like Golden Boy, for example, like they get the benefit of the doubt and deservedly so. I'm not mad at it. Like Oscar's done a great job of like tapping into that audience. Well, and for he, PBC also- though, they need more cards like this, where it's just like we're gonna give you like four guys who you, you you're gonna love. You have no choice. And if Fundora like was the co-main on like, say they did Wilder Ortiz. I mean, I'm sorry, Wilder Ruiz. And Fundora was like the co-main. I think that could get him over. He needs like that type of setup, in my opinion. Bomani Jones ha- has like uh, a few takes that he always has with boxing. And uh, if you don't know who Bomani Jones is, he he's, uh, in my opinion, like the best, like, uh, I don't know, talking head sort of that ESPN has, but he's not really like the talking head, like you're like the Stephen A. Smith kind. But um, he talks about boxing from now now and then on his podcast, sort of in the like his observations in going to a few fights, not necessarily like up on the news. Uh, although he was pretty like informed when it came to like Usyk and uh, the situation with Ukraine last year or earlier in the year. But um, <laughs> one of his um, kind of frequent stories he tells is he went to a Golovkin fight. I think it was the Golovkin-Steve Rolls fight. And he talks about one thing that he sees in boxing that we don't really get in any other sport is like, you get um, Mexicans, well, in the case that he went to, Kazakhstan's versus Blacks, because Golovkin was fighting a Black guy. So the whole card was essentially... Kazakhstan or dude from the Middle East versus black guy. And he's like, and it were all matched so that, uh, you know, black guys loose. And uh, it, which is like kind of a trope that we see in boxing a lot where like, if the main event has like these two demographics or ethnicities, the whole card needs to be that way uh, for whatever reason. And so I was thinking of like, if, if Deontay and Andy fight, like is the crowd or is the card going to be all you know, black versus Mexican or Hispanic? That's a good question. I mean, the thing with the thing with fights like that is the undercard is usually like slightly underwhelming because I think a lot of the money goes to the main. So I think you, what we'd see in that event is like you'd have like a midget fight. Like a, it, it always is like Leo Santa Cruz yeah, that's with Deontay or something like that. Like you'd have someone from like Maybe Gary Russell gets on the undercard. I don't know. Gary Russell. Gary already fought this year. Junior, not Antoine or Antonio. This fight would presumably be next year. So we would be in the wheelhouse of Gary Russell's uh, Groundhog Day moment for the year. Um, Yeah, I don't know how or why we got onto this topic. So I'm just going to move on to uh, Ryo versus... Edwin De Los Santos, who was a late replacement, and I saw people rumbling on Twitter, this is not going to be easy for, for Ryo, and uh, boy, did they undersell it. I, so, uh, there, there's so many things. Wait, 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 wait. We got to give a major shout out to our compadre, Deuce Rollins, in one of our little buddy chats, called this fight almost exactly how it played out. What did he say? Right? Don't you remember? Okay, let me pull it up. Hold up. Give me a second. Hold up. 
man, come on, get get out of here, get out of here. Okay. Oh. Hold on. Damn, I gotta scroll up. He said, uh so you posted the link, you know, announcing Santos filling in, and I said, honestly, this will be a more entertaining fight. And Deuce said, um, Ryle gonna fuck around and get knocked the fuck out in the first round. And I said, you think this, this dude can actually bang like that? And Deuce says, for like 120 seconds, yes. And I think that he only needed 120 seconds because he, I think within 120 seconds, he did hurt uh, Ryo. Now, here's my thing about this fight. Two general observations. One, whose idea was it for Ryo to come out and fight Southpaw? He was awful at it. When the first few jabs that De Los Santos threw and landed and actually moved Ryo in the ring, I feel like he should have reverted and been like, all right, well, this little trick isn't working here. And, you know, the other was essentially like, why did they not watch any tape on De Los Santos and like come to the conclusion that like he basically has three rounds of stamina. After those three rounds, he starts to look uh, pretty ordinary. So maybe let's just shell up, let him blow his load, and then see what happens in the second, more towards the middle and second ha half of the fight where he's going to be a lot easier to hit. I don't, I don't know what the game plan was. But you could say that, like, Ryo got hurt really early in that fight, and he just never was right. Another weird thing that Ryo did, you know, most guys, if they get hurt in, like, round one the, or whatever, just the previous round, the next round, they just kind of try to kill time. You know, spend a minute, two minutes, three, the whole round to just get your bearings back. He stepped right back to San, De Los Santos or whatever. And I'm like, bro, what are you doing? Like, why aren't you composing yourself? Well, that, that's like the confidence of a guy who's like never been down before or never been like hurt in a fight. So like they fight with this confidence that you you don't see from guys who've been there before and understand the risks and how to deal with, with you know, the, the worst case scenario should it happen. I think another thing that kind of hurt Ryo is that you could tell he totally believed that he had just as much power. And when he knocked him down, I feel like that was like really the end of the fight. Because when he knocks him down, he now has the confidence to like, oh, I can open up here because like, you know, I can do this again. So he's wider with the shots or he continues to be wide. And De Los Santos was sharp and like, he was a lot faster than Ryo anticipated, and he was actually faster than him, period. But De Los Santos, I mean, that dude hurt him with every punch he landed. He moved him with every punch he landed. And, like, anytime for me when I'm, like, looking at, a, a, like, a guy and evaluating their power, whenever they move their opponent with their punches, even if they block it, I know that guy's got for real power. And, you know, another thing to look at is like, okay, you know, they're, they're 16 and 0 or whatever. And this is their first step up. 
And yeah, they've got like 14 knockouts. If you go back and look at those 14 knockouts and you see it's like, oh, wait, those are one punch stop like knockouts and not Oscar Valdez. Like, you know, he's 20 and oh, with 18 knockouts, but like all of those are referee stoppages. Um, that's a different level of like you're talking about a much different type of power. And De Los Santos has that kind of like one punch fight ending power. And Ryo really got a nasty taste of it. I remember uh, a while back. I could be misremembering because wait, wait, real quick. Sorry for interrupting. I need the crowd reaction. Like I need those details because you were there. I was supposed to be there. Didn't work out. But like I heard at moments the crowd cheering for Ryo's name, like while he was getting spanked on. Yeah, to at that point uh, in the night, I thought like Ryo is going to be the clear like. breakaway star here because it seemed like the crowd knew who he was he was getting chants for his name which i did not expect because i thought ryo was still basically an unknown sort of prospect outside of like really hard cores but nah it seemed like a lot of people knew who he was and were familiar with his work unfortunately for him uh it was grand opening and grand closing but um what did, what did I say before? You were telling a story about. Oh, I shouldn't. I, should, I shouldn't cut you off. I'm sorry. Oh, it's all right. Uh, but <laughs> but I I just think that um you know I did definitely thought that Ryo was gonna be the guy who took the big leap coming out of this this night, but my God, this dude got rocked, and um, I don't know what the path back for him is. Oh, oh, because here's another thing. A, a long time ago, when Ryo first appeared on an, on a PBC undercard, it was a, it was a while back. Um, I I remember talking to Tom about it, and Tom was like, he was like, "No, nah, this guy's good," and I'm like, "I don't know. I don't. I don't really see it." And you know, it, it felt like a like you know I, I I wound up being right about him, but I also can't put my finger on what I really didn't like about him. Well, I mean, actually, I I acknowledge that he was good, but I didn't think that he was gonna be like top flight level good. And I guess in a sense, like he still can be good. You know, like I wouldn't be shocked if he bounced back and got right back into the to the picture. But he's got a long way to go to recover from like. The, the the type of shots that he was taking from De Los Santos. And it puts De Los Santos in, in a position because now at lightweight, he becomes a very, like, I mean, this is another dude at lightweight who has legitimate power to add to the mix. You know, we, we have Tank. We have Cruz. Um, Michelle Rivera looks like he's got power. Roly has power, albeit, a, you know, a somewhat different level of power. William Zapata looks like a dangerous puncher. And now we got Edwin De Los Santos to the mix, who has, um, we'll have to see more of him. But I mean, like if this dude puts it together, he does look like he's going to be in the, in the conversation for the top guys. If he puts it together, don't know anybody take me out of context there. We still got to see that stamina issue get repaired. 
Yeah, I think it'll just get better, man. Once you like forgot like that, once you're like on the main stage, I feel like your uh, performances just continue to get better because you're like you're a part of a big show. You're getting more attention. Your social media numbers go up, and you're 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 seeing the the fruits of your labor. And so I'm sure he'll just continue to work harder and you know be more dangerous. I should probably throw out Jeremiah Nakatia's name too. Um, that dude is a big puncher, and we saw the way Shakur like did not respond well to Nakatia hitting him. That that dude definitely deserves to get his name mentioned as well. Um. All right. On the prelims, um, I, not not much to say about the fight because the fight wasn't very entertaining. But Joey Spencer, like, I'm not ready to say Joey's good because I I'm not fully sold yet there. But I will say that was a shocking performance from Joey Spencer. I was willing to lay money on a Kevin Salgado decision win, and we did not get that whatsoever. Joey Spencer went in there and essentially like nine one him. Like very clearly nine one him. The, the gentleman sweep. So I don't know. I, I, I just wanted to mention that because like we both talked about it. We did a betting preview podcast on what we liked from the, the, the betting lines last week on our Patreon. And that was one of the fights that was like, if we're going if we're looking upset here on this card, this is where it's going to be. Joey taking a step too far, but Joey has definitely added a lot of wrinkles to his game. I think those wrinkles still are not like, I guess what I'll say is I think a guy with really good fundamentals is going to give Joey a lot of problems. Um, and I don't know when Joey's going to progress outside of being vulnerable to those guys. But I don't know if he keeps developing like this, he may at some point reach it, but I don't know. And then uh, Rice Aleem got a decision win over Mike Plania. Um, Rice looked like the Rice we saw not too long ago. Um, was it against Marcus Bates where, and, and, or, or, and Vic Pasillas where he looked fantastic. Um, yeah. So that was the card. I did see Charles Martin stop Devin Vargas, which was how was that? Um, it was like a, a sloppy heavyweight fight that you've seen many times before. And it's like, I mean, yeah, there's some good action, but not necessarily like super enjoyable or memorable. Charles Martin, I will say I saw him after the fight. Um, not as big as he seems on TV. He's tall, no doubt about it. But like, he looks like a heavy guy. He's actually not. Like, I was actually really shocked at how thin he looks. He kind of has like, um, I don't know. He, he just like, not that big of a guy. I, I was definitely kind of shocked to, to, to see that he was uh, kind of trim and slim looking. And I don't think it was because of the fight, because I, you know, I could see on the big screen uh, the way it's coming off on TV, and he looked like he normally looked. So, you know, on TV he looks like good, like six four, six five, like really dense. But I guess he's dense because I thought he would be like a pudgy, and he's not. Uh, okay. On Saturday night we had Juan Francisco Estrada 
retaining well actually i think he was stripped so he's not the champion anymore but i don't want to get into the whole bullshit around that situation with the wba um but yeah so juan versus quistrata technically technically the unified uh super flyweight champion having defeated roman gonzalez last year technically a lot of technicalities there because i didn't think he won and i don't think he should be the champion but then the wba and the wbc were like no need he's not the champion no belt on the line here against argy cortez and uh i'll say this okay moderately entertaining fight i thought um i think i saw a tweet and um it was like oh you know argy cortez puts up a which he did put up a really valiant effort and like had he not been knocked down and maybe one round goes differently he wins the fight uh but i saw some tweet about like oh the the the, the talent just keeps getting deeper and deeper at 115 and blah 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 and as somebody who like actually like is out here watching these fights i can say that i wholly disagree with that take and i think it's actually an insult to to suggest that cortez is like this great fighter because juan francisco estrada is just not that guy anymore it, it's he, he's clearly not the guy he was three years ago and we can go even further than that juan francisco estrada looks nothing like the guy who um was so good against everyone other than roman gonzalez uh this is not the style you know Juan Francisco was a really good for the flyweight division defensive fighter. And we're seeing none of that. There's no defense on display from Estrada at this point. He he's very hittable. Um and I think like the 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 floor for this guy has lowered tremendously. You know, he's still good enough to beat these guys, but that's because he was very good for so long. Like he's falling from a from a height. But I don't agree that like, oh, just be just because we know these guys' names, and I feel like a lot of divisions fall into this trap. It's like just because we know a lot of these guys' names doesn't mean everyone is good. The 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 guys that we're watching at Super Flyweight are all getting older, but they just all happen to be a lot better than what we're used to seeing. And they're diminishing. And uh I thought Estrada did not look great on Saturday night. And I don't necessarily think it was a reflection of Cortez being some mastermind in the ring. It's like, nah, you're beating a 32 year old guy who for that would be the equivalent of beating like a 37, 38 year old at like super middleweight, you know? So, but I was happy to see Estrada win. Um, and it's all a moot point anyway, because Bam's going to beat all these dudes up and, and do it easily. So, that is my take on super flyweight and i know lex you have nothing to say here so uh <laughs> there's a little back and forth um well timeline i think it was yesterday maybe the day before between uh ryan and tank we've kind of mentioned it before but what's your take let me just you know what's the temperature how confident are you that ryan and tank will be meeting each other next like 60 40 i'm like optimistic that there's a chance it happens but you know you always have to worry about golden boy coming out of like 
coming from the rafters, sting style, and like throwing salt in the whole thing. Because <laughs> that's what, you know, the last couple of times we've tried to see a, we've hoped to see a Golden Boy versus PBC fighter, they've messed it up. And so, like, I hope they don't do it again. I hope we get Tank versus Ryan in December. Um, you know, to me, it's the biggest fight in, that you can make in America. It's going to have the most pay-per-views sold. It's going to bring a level of engagement amongst sports fans that no other fight could achieve. And so I think it'll be really good for the sport. Uh, and it'll be just really good for whoever wins. But you have to worry about Golden Boy. So I guess, you know, 60-40. Yeah. I, I'm fairly confident that this fight is going to happen. So you're 80-20. Uh, let's say 70-30. Okay. The reason is because, like, I just feel like for Tank, I don't think there's any other real direction that he can go in. Now, I will say also, like, the tweets that, between the two of them, like, lead me to be pretty optimistic that this fight is going to happen. It seemed like both guys were speaking from in a past tense way, meaning that the negotiations were behind them meaning that essentially everything is like, you know, at, at a minimum verbally agreed on. So that's why I'm pretty confident. But I mean, you are right. And like one thing I want to like just point out is like if the fight doesn't come off and we find out that Golden Boy did something or Ryan said something, you know, we saw it with the Charlo Munguia fight where Golden Boy came in and was like, listen, we are not going to let this fight happen unless you let DAZN in on the on the on the fun and the zone was like wait what who what are you guys talking about and golden boy was like absolutely and they're like hold on and pbc was like no 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 we we'd already agreed on this like mungia's team's on board what are you talking about and that was mostly because golden boy's trying to work out that new deal with the zone and make sure that they have their future secured i ain't mad at them for it but but it is what it is that is how how it broke down and that's why the fight didn't happen but like let's say something like that happens again um, we got to start to look at the decision-making of one Ryan Garcia and just acknowledge that this dude, you know, you can think whatever you want. I do think he's a talented fighter, uh, but you can think whatever you want about his skills. But like in terms of the decision-making, not all there. I mean, he was going to strong arm Golden Boy into doing something and instead re-signed with them. Uh, when it looked like he could have gotten his freedom if he had just like waited out his rookie contract, but instead he extends the deal. Uh, you then look at the the fight where they were negotiating with Tank, and it, it looked like it was going to be delivered. I think for the uh, late spring 2021, so that was last year. And instead, Ryan goes in a different direction and chooses to pursue a fight with Manny Pacquiao, at, like the fucking Playboy Mansion or something that everyone knew was a scam, and turns out it was a scam. Let's say Ryan uh, has another odd decision where he finds himself uh, again, not without this big fight. Uh, that seems to be very strange decision making. And uh, I don't know whatever you want to say about that, but it just seemed like a very weird yet. But yet again, another weird thing that happens when it comes to Ryan Garcia's direction of his career, which I hope it doesn't because I mean, like I do you know, take the tank fight aside. 
Um, I do like Ryan, and I do want to see this guy have success. Uh, I don't know. Pe- people may not like you know boxing fans may not care, but like I I do think that Ryan's like caught on in a way that like I'm interested to see how this develops and like does Ryan blaze a new trail for like boxers of the future? I don't know. He'd probably need to like win some of these big fights. He doesn't need to win them all, but he's got to win. Like Oscar didn't win all of his big fights, but he won some. And I think uh, Ryan's got to put himself in that position to like win a couple. And so we can see how this all plays out. Like as like TikTok star or no, no what, what was he like? Um, Instagram famous turned pro boxer. Uh, and not in a Jake Paul way either. Cause Ryan is significantly better than a Jake Paul, but yeah, that, that part's important. Um, coming up this week, um, we have quite a card. We will be seeing one Clarissa Shields against Savannah Marshall. I'll just preface this, of course, by saying like, look, we, we are not, we do not pose as experts on women's boxing. Except for Rollins. <laughs> okay. That, that, that's fair. But the rest of us, actually, I'm just gonna even lump Rollins in here, like in the event that Rollins says some shit that don't make any sense. And, and I, and I'm, I'm assuming that most of our listeners, you guys are in the same boat, but assuming that maybe some of you aren't, um, we 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 don't pose as like experts of this. So like, if anything we say, just uh, you know, sounds like not that informed. It's because we aren't. But um, Clarissa Shields versus Savannah Marshall for the undisputed middleweight women's championship. Also on the card, Michaela Mayer versus Alicia Baumgartner. Uh, that will be for the undisputed super featherweight title. Um, Shields and Marshall is an interesting fight because. Uh, where most women's fights, you can kind of bet the over and expect that no one's going to get knocked out. Generally, okay, I, we're you know paying with broad strokes here. Um, this is a fight where Savannah Marshall does bring in power. She has a somewhat rare record for a female fighter, where she's coming in with ten knockouts in her twelve fights. And, um, there, you know, you could question the matchmaking, but like, not really because it's women's boxing and the, the talent pool is just not as deep as you would find for the men. And then on the other side of things, like Clarissa Shields, not a big puncher. They have the same amount of fights, but Clarissa's only got two knockouts. Uh, but Clarissa has like really developed herself into a, a really good boxer. We've seen her. Um, I, I guess I should say like, um, develop a much more pro style reminiscent of, of a men's, uh, style defense and offense as well. So it is like a pretty unique matchup here that we don't see. I mean, I don't even think we got it to this extent with the Taylor Serrano fight. I can't say that I've seen much of Savannah Marshall fighting. I have seen her highlight clips for sure on the timeline. And it does look like she is hurting these girls. So I don't know. I, I'm interested. I think that Clarissa Shields, from everything I've seen and all the women's boxing I've watched in my entire life, 
I can say that Clarissa Shields, uh, her style, like, really actually looks like, um, like, kind of like the world level style we see in like title fights and men's fights. And so I'm curious to see if like, can that be neutralized with Savannah Marshall's power? I don't know. Anything you want to say? Not much. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and pretend I know anything about women's boxing. I don't. I, I do like watching Clarissa. She fights high, just like athletically and technically. So, um, you know, we'll see. Um, I'll be watching. I mean, I, I don't have much to do this weekend, so tune into that one. You know, hopefully it's an entertaining fight. On uh, the undercard will be Alicia Baumgartner versus Michaela Mayer. A fight which I will... Actually, it's not an undisputed fight. Um, the WBA is not at stake here, and I don't know who holds that in, in women's boxing, but... Um, It is at least, uh, you know, oh, I know who it is. I've actually done a podcast on her. But, um, yeah, Bumgarner and Mayer both have not faced great opposition. I think uh, Bumgarner has probably the best win amongst the two of them, which was against Terry Harper, where uh, Bumgarner stopped her in the fourth round. I think that was the fight where, like, she hit her and she, like, froze in the ring. I think that's the fight, if I remember correctly. But, um, yeah, I, I'm i not the biggest fan of Michaela Mayer, so I'll be rooting for Baumgartner. I'm with you. Michaela is a little corny on Twitter, so. I mean, I wasn't going to say it, but, yeah. Let me, let me be the bad guy. They're going to hate on me anyway. I, I think I think her, tw- her Twitter presence is mid best. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not a. No, no, I'm just not a fan of uh, Michaela Mayer. Did you know that there's like a a TikTok card? No. So I was looking. They have booked a Bank of California Stadium, which is a, a soccer stadium here, to host Austin McBroom versus Anson Gibb. Wait a minute, isn't um isn't not Ladanian Tomlinson? What's the other running back for the Vikings? Adrian Peterson isn't he fighting on this? It's not on box rack, but maybe. Yeah, if that's if that's the card that's this weekend, um like my priorities have changed. (laughs) I want to see what Adrian Peterson does to uh he's fighting another NFL guy. Like I like NFL versus NFL. Yeah, I'm, I'm. Let's see this. I'm interested. Yo, Adrian Peterson, like, has that like. He just looks like he has that like that that power, like he looks like a guy that's born with a six pack. He's got the. Yeah, if you, yeah, essentially, he's a freak athlete. Like, if you've ever like played sports before or anything like that, you you know, that um, you basically we've all played with guys like okay. You know, we're all like, you know, regular people. And then that guy over there is a freak. And it's the guy that's like, you know, eight years old and can do 45 pull-ups. That was Adrian Peterson. So, like, I would de- will definitely be interested to see if uh, what happens if um, he lands a bomb on Le'Veon Bell. We may need to be calling the emergency medical services. 
anyway, yeah, that's that's what we got coming up this week. So thank you guys for listening. We're going to wrap it up here. If you like our podcast, you want to hear more stuff, we do betting previews. You know what? Actually, I have an idea for a podcast this week. Hopefully, we can pull it off. Um, I was thinking that we should go back on the podcast or betting podcasts, and uh, I'll bring someone else on to essentially uh, keep us in check and uh, to see where we were right about our predictions and where we were wrong. I'm down. I like that idea. And uh, so, yeah, that's stuff. We do more fun things like that on the Patreon. Not that this wasn't fun, but, you know, we we do tend to stray off into other topics. Um, but, yeah, so that's on our Patreon. You can get that for $1 or higher. Patreon.com slash Sunday Puncher. Links in the show notes or whatever is a, the note thing that I'm going to fill in. Uh, thank you guys for listening. If you like the podcast, give us a good ra- rating. If you've uh, not given us a five-star rating yet, please do so. I'm begging you, okay? Do that. And uh, I think that's about it. I hope you guys enjoyed the fights. I hope you guys enjoy the fights coming up this week. Uh, schedule's heating up. Last, you know, yesterday was really fun. Um, this Saturday is going to be really fun. And then after that, we got the, I don't know, we we, we got more fun stuff. But the, the schedule's good up until actually probably the end of the year, really, if if we get a couple of fights that, I think we're going to be getting, but more on that later. Thank you guys for listening. Hope you guys enjoyed it.